The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxis. I don't know about you, but I've seen this story blow up on TikTok. And it's these Emory nurses talking about their icks, quote unquote, the things that they don't like about their jobs. And it became ugly. They've been fired. Anushay Hussein is the author of The Pain Gap, and she's here to discuss. Thank you so much for being here. Yes. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, Zerlina. I miss you. I miss you too. I miss your face. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, I hadn't heard about it until I was reached out by your show. And wow. so I have been kind of doing a deep dive into it. And I'm I'm with you. It not only does it make me sick to my stomach, it makes me so sad. Because I think about so many women who have been saying this, you know, who have been saying that they're mistreated by the healthcare system. And it really shows a lack of humanity mm-hmm. um, that we approach women with because healthcare in America is is a business. But as you as you know, Zerlina, the numbers are not just bad in America, they're really bad. I mean, the U.S. is among the most dangerous high-income countries in the world for childbirth. That's a number that has gone up in the last two years. And we know the SCOTUS-Dobbs decision is affecting maternal mortality. And in fact, just this morning, there was a report released, not that we need a report, that says, shocker, maternal and infant deaths death rates are higher in states that ban or restrict abortion uh, by 62 percent. So um, and we know that women, you know, of course, in America, there's a racial aspect to this and women of color uh, pay a much higher price. And um, I don't know why I expected more from nurses, (laughs) Um, but it really it, it hurt my heart. And then it made me so mad because a pregnant woman, a woman going to the nurse's station um, asking for food or water or a shower um, before or after she's given birth is is fine. We know now that the U.S. Uh, the hospital systems are extremely um, strict with women for no reason, for no reason. And then you know we cause so much stress upon birthing people, and our numbers, our maternal mortality numbers, uh, reflect that. They reflect that. And quite frankly, I think the whole ick trend on TikTok is ick itself. <laughs> I, I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, some of them are amusing, right? I mean, but I think yeah. that honestly, I mean, I, I quoted my dad, and he always says this. He's like, you know, not everybody is good at their jobs. This is true of all contexts. I mean, some people are really good at their jobs, and then there's this other thing my dad says, which is like you know, some of the people walking around just act so important. But in the context Mm -hmm. of medicine, nurses and doctors, they are important. We're dealing with life and death, right? Like it, so, so 
I always shade people who are like, I'm the assistant manager or the general regional director. And no shade to you if that's your job. But I'm just saying you're not curing cancer, right? Your job is not curing cancer. You're not saving lives. You're not a brain surgeon. You're not doing triple bypasses. Like there are levels to this, right? There are jobs where there is life and death stakes. Um, And and so you're right to, to see nurses speak in such dehumanizing terms about Basically, black women clientele, because let's be clear, this is happening in Atlanta, yeah, Georgia, let's right? So let's yeah. talk about the fact, the racial undertones here that, you know, they're not totally. saying that in the videos, but they're talking about black women who are, who are asking for these things or, yes. you know, they're talking about yes. black men, probably, um, most likely when they're talking about, you know, going from one baby mama room to the next. I mean, yeah, we're clear about the, sort of the, the racist undertones there as oh. well. But when you think about um, the maternal mortality rates um, for black women, I mean, Yes. And and really the causes, right? So now we see that, yes, this, you know, people have these biases. They're dehumanizing um, these folks. I mean, how does that contribute to outcomes? Like, we know the stats, right? We don't need another yeah. report, even though it exists. But yeah. how, how, do, how do these biases seep into actual treatment? Like, how does that show up and result in, in these worse outcomes? That is such a great question. Well, it shows up because we know we're not listening to women. We know we are not listening to women and especially women of color, you know, we are more likely uh, to be dismissed to death in, in, in a medical setting. And, you know, we talk about America's maternal mortality rate, but the discrepancies between white women and black women giving birth in America. I mean, we hear this number that is three to four times more likely that black women will die giving birth in the world's richest democracy. But that number, Zerlina, is 243%. I mean, I cannot stress that enough. 243% more likely than their white counterparts to die giving birth in America. And for so long before the pandemic, even really, you know, um, high profile experts would say really racist things, you know, blame this this discrepancy on um, really racist stereotypes like black women are uh, welfare moms or it's an education issue. But now we know that a college educated black woman who has a black woman who has a college educa- uh, bachelor's degree or or higher is five times more likely to die, uh, still five times more likely to die than her white counterpart with a high school degree. So we know it's racism and not race. And it shows up, it's it's always in the details. And what the X series with these nurses shows me is that so much of, uh, so many people, especially white people try to intellectualize racism, but so much of it are these intimate experiences that you have. It's really a feeling yes. of not being yes. listened to and, yes. and being dismissed. I mean, I, um, yeah, like I said, I felt so bad for these women. And then I thought about women of color who know And a lot of times black and brown women don't even want to go say anything. We're already being so um, kind of complicit and trying to be so polite. And I mean, that's how I was during my birthing experience uh, with my first baby. And I almost died. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about, oh, my gosh, I was so polite to that uh, doctor who at the very end of everything, you know, didn't believe I was in pain, you know, and after 33 hours of this labor wanted me to get on the operating table on my own from the stretcher you know I'd like I mean they really don't see your humanity and people don't realize how um the nurses are nurses are very important people Zerlina you know this I'm so sorry you've spent so much time I I, you know I it's 
it's an experience that I do not wish on anyone else, but having been through it, I learned so much that I want to share the information with the world. Um, because yes. it's not until you're in the situation you realize um, how much work you have to do, right? Like if you have a family member in, in the hospital, um, you know, you are their advocate. There's a person whose job title is patient advocate. No, you as the yeah. family member are going to need to be their advocate. You need to be there as much as possible, as much as humanly possible. If they are in an ICU, you need to figure out a schedule with your family members and take shifts. You need to be there 24 hours a day. I'm not even joking because nurses change shifts every 12 yes. hours and so you need to be there to ensure that you know the next person coming in um isn't going to mess anything up and they will okay and yeah. that, that's no like i'm not trying to disparage the profession but yeah. as my dad says not everybody's good at their job and so you you're just going to get some great nurses we had some fantastic nurses during my mom's prolonged hospital stay at the beginning of her illness um but you know one of them i still remember his name danny Okay. Thank you, Danny. Okay. But, um, so there, there were some wonderful people, but you're going to spend like a 90 seconds max with a doctor. <laughs> like, you know, like it might be a whole Nurses three minutes. Nurses are the source of information you know, for the doctor. Right. You literally, you literally, I mean, they're telling the doctor so many things, but then also the doctor comes in and gives you like, you know, a one minute thing and then walks out okay. and then you might not see the doctor for the rest of the day or even the next yeah. day. Um, and yeah. so you're mostly front facing contact in a hospital setting is with those nurses, nurses. And so this is why this story, I think, went viral, because, you know, you have women who have been to this hospital on TikTok replying to these ick videos and saying, I was mistreated at this hospital. I, you know, this speaks rings true to me because my experience at this hospital was bad. Um, and so the front facing, you know, patient facing people are the, going to be the nurses and that, you know, the, the nurse, the nurses, I don't know what they're called in every hospital, but like, there's also people that aren't like full nurses that also do a lot too, like take yeah. blood. They like, you know, they Definition. check vitals, like they give, give some medications. Like there are things that they do too. So there are different, you got to learn what the colors for the uniforms are in the hospital. Also, that's another pro tip because um, yeah. everybody has a different color on and it means something different. They do different things. People mm -hmm. are coming in and out of the room all the time. You need to ask them exactly why they're there. I mean, one of the things that happened, this is a true story, is somebody came in to like do something and I was like, well, what are you doing? Like, who told you to do this? And they, they really didn't know. They were like, well, I, you know, somebody sent me in this room to like do a thing. And I'm like, wait, before you like touch my mom and wow. do something i need to like confirm that you're actually supposed to be doing that <laughs> um and so so i'm telling you at, from the personal perspective you know as a family member yes. you really need to to step up i mean it's scary because you feel like you know you're you, you know you see this ick video and you they make you sound so annoying no it's life and no. death, okay? Exactly. You want to advocate for your family member, ask all the questions you can, come with a list of questions. Exactly. You know, because exactly. by the time the doctor comes around, you're going to get like three minutes with him tops because exactly. he's got to visit 50 rooms. So you have, you need to have your questions ready. 
um, yes. and communicate and befriend the nurses. I'm not saying nurses are, you know, the opposition. Yeah. You want to befriend them. <laughs> and, and, and I'm serious. And like, show them that you care about your family member so that they too should care about your family member. Like, exactly. don't assume that just because they're there and with the blue outfit or whatever color it is in your hospital, that yeah. they automatically care. So I also yeah. want to talk yeah. a bit about solutions okay so i'm not you know i'm not one of these people out here that you know i just want to talk about everything being terrible and there's nothing we can do to fix it i'm not about that life so can we talk a bit about the systemic solutions that are even possible to help i mean i know nurses are overworked the fact that they work 12 on 12 off is a lot and many places particularly in the pandemic are completely understaffed and and they're overworked they're burnt out just like the rest of us so what are the solutions um, well, first of all, you gave such good, I, I hope everybody listening was taking notes when Zerlina was speaking because a good nurse really is uh, the difference between life and death. And um, that was such great advice that you gave. But you know what? I'm with you. I'm with you too. I don't like to talk everything about doom and gloom. And when it comes to women's health, it isn't all doom and gloom. It's not cancer. It's not AIDS. These are all solvable issues. We don't listen to women. We don't listen to women. And what I always say in my book is that in addition to the pain gap, there's a credibility gap. We don't believe uh, women when we, when they do speak up. And I think that that is reflected in, in the ick videos. I feel so bad for those uh, nurses' patients. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that is so that is so reckless, but you're right. You have to advocate for yourself. And that's another thing that I say in my book. You have to advocate for yourself. And if you feel like you are not being listened to your uh, doctor or your nurse or your medical provider, I mean, this was really shocking for me. You can change. You know, I know a lot of black women who are like, you know, they don't want to go to certain hospitals or they don't want to go to um to be seen at certain hospitals. But there's a great app right now. It's called the Earth app. And it's by Kimberly Seals Allers. And it's like a Yelp review for women of color. Mm. And I wish I always tell her, you know, I've interviewed her and I know her. I always tell Kimberly, I wish I had that app when I was giving birth Mm. because now women are women sharing stories and women um, exchanging information is so powerful. But that was something I think that was not happening for a really long time. You know, women are uh, we often keep a lot of these experiences um, to ourselves. And I don't and I don't think that we knew before that we could speak up in a, in a medical setting. I mean, I didn't, when I was growing up, I definitely didn't know that I could question like a white doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now Zerlina, I'm like with you, you know, I'm the, <laughs> I'm the health advocate in, in my family. I call myself the health manager, even for my parents. And I'm like you, you know, there's a, there's a list of questions. I always tell women to go in um, asking their medical provider, do your research when you're sitting in that hospital room for hours, do, do your research, do your research before you get to the hospital. But um, know as women also that you um, you have choices and your voice matters. I mean, women often don't believe each other or themselves. Believe yourself. Don't gaslight yourself, okay? Ask for the help that you want. It's the only shot you have at getting it. And you still might not get it, by the way. But ask. Fight for it. Always fight for it. I mean, one of the things that's so important, and I love that you said, like, you didn't know that you could even question a white doctor. Like, no. First of all. <laughs> One doctor's opinion is an opinion, right? You know how there's yes. like this this expression, getting a second opinion in yes. the medical context? Get a second yeah. opinion. If one doctor in a hospital is telling you something and you're like confused and, and maybe even you, you have some doctor friends or you have family members that are doctors and you, you, you call them for advice. Another thing I recommend, if you know a doctor that is a friend, 
have them on speed dial <laughs> during yes. a hospital stay so that you can just ask them if things are normal. Is this normal? Is that normal? Like this is, yeah. this is all like part of your sort of quick education um, to keep your family members safe. And one of the things that I learned is like, yeah, that whole get a second opinion. That's real. You can do that. You can yeah. ask the hospital to get a different doctor to, to assess your family member's status and get a second opinion. You are allowed to ask for that. Do not think that you just have to listen to them and do whatever they say. It's not like yeah. that. That's, that's not how this works. Um, exactly. And so again, yes, you question, question the white doctor. Medicine question is a lot, a lot yeah. less like, um, question the white doctor. I love question that. the white doctor. Been... <laughs> <laughs> it's not always a white doctor. It's not always a white doctor. Not, but I think but question, question the person question in charge. The doctor. Else too, really, that's really important to remember is that we view healthcare, you know, that the most important person in healthcare is, uh, the doctor, but actually the most important person is you. You are yes. the expert on your own body and you should view your approach, your health as, as a team effort, teamwork. And in that team, you are the most important person, you know, better than anyone. And we have to remember that hospitals are businesses, mm -hmm. they're businesses. And you have to step up and remind people that you are a human being. And, and yes, definitely always, you have to advocate for yourself. You, re you really do. If somebody had told me that, I mean, I'm so happy that my daughters are growing up knowing that, mm -hmm. but I was really raised. I mean, forget even before I came to America, I mean, just growing up in Bangladesh, questioning a white man. I mean, my God. And that's exactly who you need to be questioning. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. It's, it, it's such an important point. I mean, one of the things that um, you said that it really stuck with me and I hope people remember it is like, you are your best advocate. You know, it's a team effort. Um, with you and all of the health professionals to make sure you you are treated hum humanely, of course. I mean, like, why wouldn't that be the default? But it's not um, humanely. But but also, you know, you get the best treatment, and then you can get out of there because nobody wants to be in the hospital. Like that's just nope, not buddy. like what we're what oh. we're we want it to be. We want it to be quick and easy, um, yeah. and you can be a part of facilitating that process. I mean, one of the other things um, I want to talk about in the very last minute we have here is the fact that like this is not. <laughs> We know why, but this is not true for men. Like men's pain is uh, overestimated and women's pain is underestimated. There's a huge piece in the Washington yeah. Post today, you're quoted in it, about this exact thing. Like women's pain, we're not believed. We're like gaslit into saying like Even you're not really in pain. Heart attacks. Women are five yeah. times more likely to be dismissed from the hospital mid heart attack. And we wait 20 on average, 29%. Um, longer to be seen in the ER. And white men are also more likely to get really serious pain medication faster to treat their pains. They're more likely to get opioids, white people in general, but especially uh, white men. That Washington Post article is great. I'm in it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I saw that you were quoted. And, and but it, but it, but it was so infuriating because it's like, I mean, for, I mean, I think that we understand, we know why, we know why this is happening, but it's, it's so frustrating to see it in black and white where you're like, you know, men, they're like wince and they're like, oh, give them a Percocet. And you're like, women are like totally. literally in the middle of labor, you know, like yeah, everything fine. is happening and they're like, oh, you're fine. Just lay there and just like what breathe it out mean? a little, you know, it's one most fascinating things about women's pain because we are expected to have a really high threshold for pain and we do because we have to survive right uh, and 
believed, but we're also not believed when we say we're in it's a lot of crazy. Pain. It's crazy. By the time a woman speaks up about her pain, she has been in pain, right? Zerlina, trust. Yes. No, or trust. Much. That's what I'm saying. Like, it took her a while to even ask. So by the time she does ask, she definitely was in pain. Anishé Hussein, the author of The Pain Gap, thank you so much for being here to discuss the story out of Emory that went viral on TikTok. I'm so glad that we were able to have this conversation. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.